Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lane Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. The terms sex and intercourse are often used interchangeably. However, sex and highly satisfying sex doesn't necessarily have to include intercourse at all. And that's where outer course comes into the picture. Outer course is the general term for any sexual activities that aren't focused on vaginal or anal penetration. Outer course can be a complement to or a substitute for intercourse. And by practicing more outer course, we stand to benefit in a lot of ways. For example, we have the opportunity to learn more about our own and our partner's bodies and discover new sources of pleasure. We have the chance to introduce more novelty and excitement into our sex lives because we have the opportunity to go off script. This can make sex more exciting because you don't necessarily know what to expect. Plus, outer course can also help us to close the orgasm gap. If you look at representative research on heterosexual women, just 18% of them report that vaginal penetration alone is sufficient to experience orgasm, which tells us that outer course is really the key to having more orgasms for the vast majority of women. So today's episode is going to be all about outer course. We're going to talk about the various forms it can take, give you some fresh ideas to try, and discuss how you can maximize pleasure from the experience. I am joined by Dr. Amy Perlman. She is a men's sexual health specialist and board-certified urologist specializing in genitourinary reconstruction. This conversation is going to be a lot of fun. So stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Enhance your sexual performance with FirmTech. Check out their tech ring, which is designed to give you harder, longer-lasting erections while also tracking your erectile fitness. Wear it at night to monitor nocturnal erections and cardiovascular health, or wear it during lovemaking for a boost in the bedroom. Unlike other erection rings, FirmTech's is easy to put on, adjustable to your comfort, and it can go on whether you're hard or soft. To learn more, check the show notes or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, JUSTIN20, to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. So when we think about sex, many people have a tendency to think primarily about intercourse, but that's far from the only way to have sex. So let's talk about outer course, Amy. As a starting point, let's define it. So what does the term outer course mean to you? Outer course means every type of sexual activity that you can imagine that doesn't involve penetration, which if you look at the research is mostly how vagina owners orgasm. So when I think about my own sexual pleasure and that of a lot of my fellow vagina owners, I think about the importance of outer course. So outer course can mean a lot of different things. And, you know, just like as with definitions of sex, different people are going to have different definitions for it. But I think your understanding of it and mine are pretty much on the same page in terms of it being this pretty broad set of sexual activities. Now, I think a lot of people would consider outer course to be foreplay, which is a term that I've heard some people describe as pre-sex or as a warm-up. But I don't think that's the right way to think about it. Because when you start to look at sex simply through the lens of penetration and everything else is just foreplay, this does a couple of things. 
One is that it makes sex this very goal-oriented activity that follows a predictable script. Another is that it can lead you to rush through all of the foreplay and not really take the time to fully enjoy it because it's just the warm-up and not the main act. So instead, think of outer course as a form of sex in and of itself, and it can be something that you do instead of intercourse, or it can be something that you do before intercourse or afterwards. So Amy, what are some of the benefits of elevating outer course and not thinking of it as this lesser thing compared to intercourse? You know, I think outer course can be everything. I think outer course can be the answer to a couple who feel stagnant in their relationship, spicing it up. I think outer course can be the, the main sort of means by which two people really communicate to ask each other, hey, babe, what feels good? Does this feel good when I touch you here and here or there? Or no, you know, what doesn't feel good? So I think outer course is like this incredible place where two people can communicate about what pleasure means to themselves and their partner. And sometimes, as you mentioned, could be before, during, or after. It could be nothing or everything. And it might also come into play more at different points in life than others, right? So for example, if we're talking about someone who's pregnant, maybe outer course is going to feel better to them than intercourse. Or if you acquire a chronic disability or illness, then outer course might take on added significance in your form of sexual expression, right? So there can be a lot of value to this in kind of adapting to different things, different stages of life, but also in terms of special considerations we might have, right? So if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, then outer course is a pretty effective means of accomplishing that, right? And, you know, also with certain forms of outer course, you know, this can include things like dry humping and kissing. And so, you know, for people who are trying to refrain from sexual activity, trying to avoid STIs, you know, there can be these other sorts of activities that you engage in, you can sexually express yourself and meet your goals. Absolutely. And I think it can be this really cool, like vulnerable state for a couple to be in and just a source for exploration. You know, what each person wants and needs throughout their lifetime, as you mentioned, is going to change. And it also allows, I think, people in a relationship to take a breath of relief and say, I don't have to, my penis doesn't have to work all the time in order to please my partner. And if someone is going through cancer treatment or after cancer treatment or has diabetes or had too much to drink and just knows it's not going to happen, hey, we have outer course. We still have a means of pleasuring each other. Yeah. So it can be this form of novelty and a way to add more variety into your sex life and just put more options on the menu in general. So outer course, as we mentioned, is this super broad term, can mean a lot of different things from kissing and dry humping to oral sex and mutual masturbation to kinky and BDSM activities that don't involve penetration, could include nipple stimulation, could include rubbing your genitals on different parts of the body, or even engaging in some kind of simulated intercourse, right? And there are tons of ways to simulate intercourse. For example, some people might rub their penis between their partner's thighs or between their partner's breasts or even under their partner's armpit, which is an act known colloquially as bagpiping because you're moving your arm in a way that mimics playing the bagpipes. And <laughs> bagpiping is just a term that tickles me every time I say it because I just don't typically associate bagpipes with sex. And if you do, great, no judgment, but it just 
tickles me. Anyway, let's talk about how to have good outer chorus. So let's start with forms of outer chorus that don't require any bells and whistles. It's just your body and your partner or partner's bodies. So Amy, if you've just got a couple of naked people sitting in bed, what are some things that they might consider trying if they're kind of new to this idea of outer course, or they just want some fresh ideas, or they just really want to take some time to explore each other's bodies? Yeah, we have these novel tools called our fingers, right? And our hands. And so I encourage my patients to get back to the basics of touch, what feels good, and take the performance out of it, take the, even the genitals out of it. And so I'll talk to my patients about, you know, going home and saying, okay, on Wednesday nights, we're going to do this thing and we're going to put a timer on and one person will just touch the front part of someone's body if naked, if they feel comfortable doing that and saying like, does it feel good when I touch your arm here or your stomach or your thigh? Then the partner saying, yes, that feels good or no, I don't like that. Right. That doesn't feel good. And so when the, you know, 10, 15 minutes is up, and you stay away from the genitals, the person, you know, flips on the other side, and they do the same thing on the back. And then it's the partner's turn and they do the front and the back. So that's based on simple touch. Do they like scratching? Do they like tickling? Do they like just, you know, running the fingers down, and just going back to communication of what feels good and different sensations. Yes, even in Iowa, I talked to my older male Iowa farmers about nipple stimulation, and I don't think I have yet to offend anyone. And I bring it back to anatomy. When I talk about anal stimulation, I bring it back to anatomy. It's just science. It's based on the nerves. The nerves that go to that area are the same nerves that go to the penis. And so of course that they can feel good in a lot of folks. So It's just getting back to touch and you can't offend anyone when you talk about touch. So I would recommend that people start with their fingers. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start. And you know, what you're describing sounds similar in a lot of ways to what Masters and Johnson called sensate focus, which was one of their tried and true methods of sex therapy, where it's kind of about non-genital body exploration and each partner taking turns and communicating. And that can be a really fantastic way to discover new erogenous zones. And maybe along the way, you'll discover things that you don't like. And that's great. You know, the more that you discover and understand yourself, what is good, what is pleasurable and what isn't, the better. And, you know, your hands can be a great starting point. Your mouth can be another great starting point, right? So it could be as simple as exploring with just providing breath on different parts of the body or licking, you know, stroking. There's all kinds of things that you can do with your fingers and your mouth and so forth to explore each other's bodies. But another way to enhance outer course is to bring in some toys and tools. So let's start with vibrators. Now, a lot of people think of vibrators as, you know, something that is part of a dildo that's inserted into the vagina or anus, or they think about a vibrator as something that is used externally on the clitoris, but there are actually all different kinds of vibrators out there and lots of different ways to use them. So what are some of the ways that vibrators can enhance outer course? Vibrators, as you mentioned, can be used anywhere. And some people will enjoy having vibration on the tip of the penis or the shafts of the penis or underneath the scrotum. So it just goes back to someone exploring their body and their partner's body to understand what feels good. And that's going to look different for a lot of people. With the different types of vibrator options, there are so many different settings too. 
in terms of like constant stimulation or ramping up and then going down. And that can make it really fun as well and help spice it up, whether it's for soloed activity or partnered activity is understanding like, oh, do I like that sensation? Is it too much at this point in time? You know, and that can change throughout one's lifetime as well. Someone might really like pretty intense vibrator early on in their life, but then maybe that person who owns a vagina and vulva, you know, maybe that tissue is getting sensitive. Maybe there's decreased estrogen and maybe that vibration no longer feels good. So vibrators allow for flexibility. You can change the settings. You can get different vibrators. And it's definitely a way to, to increase the spontaneity and just another tool in the toolbox. So the key to everything that we're talking about today, Justin, is try some different ones. Read what the reviews are, get a good product, and make sure you look at the cleaning instructions because you can spread STIs with these different products. So you want to make sure that you're cleaning them well. Yeah. And that is an important point when we're talking about shared sex toys. You know, if you're sharing them with friends or other people, it's probably best to have your own toys <laughs> or, you know, if it's a toy that can be covered in a condom, you know, that can also help in terms of reducing STI transmission, but definitely the cleaning and care piece is really important, not just for that STI prevention aspect, but also in terms of preserving the longevity of your toy. And since we're on the subject of vibrators, I'll share something personal, which is that I used to think that vibration did nothing for me. And one of the fun parts of my job is that I've worked with a lot of sex toy companies over the years, and they send me a lot of free sex toy samples. And in fact, I have so many now that you open a random drawer in my house, you're going to find a sex toy or a lube sample. And I was in a furniture store recently where I saw this you know, sort of old fashioned card catalog from a library. And I'm like, that would actually be great in my office because I could store all my sex toys in it and organize them at the same time. It's like the Dewey Decimal System for sex toys. But anyway, <laughs> so I got all of these vibrating devices over the years. I, I tried several of them. They just did nothing for me. But then recently I got this new vibrating toy and it was a totally different experience. And this one is different from the previous ones because like you can just put your penis in it and sit there. You don't have to touch it or do anything. This device had some pretty big promises. It's like, this is going to be the closest thing to the female orgasm you can experience if you're a male-bodied person. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure I believe that, but we'll give it a try. And so it turned out it worked. And I actually had a very intense orgasm and there were many more contractions. It lasted longer. And I can also have multiple orgasms with it. And because I was like, all right, I had one. What happens if I just leave this on? It's like, oh, okay. Like, so <laughs> I mentioned this because it's an example of how sometimes you don't know what you like until you try it. And in this area of vibrators, there are so many different types that are out there now. And you just might not know until you explore and experiment a little bit with them. But it turns out, yes, I'm a fan of vibrations now. And I know probably going to get emails from people who are like, what's that toy? <laughs> and it was the, the ArcWave Ion. It's new. I think it just came out this year. And so it's just, it's a very different type of vibratory sensation and opened up a new world for me. Now, vibrations are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to sex toys. You know, there are suction devices, sleeves, constriction bands, and so much more. So what are some of your other favorite toys or tools that people can use to explore their bodies and enhance outer course? The other tool that can be really helpful, and yeah, I discuss this with my Iowa farmers as well, are pelvic wands. 
And a lot of the guys that I see are coming to me with some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. So the pelvic floor muscles, we think about them in women, we think about Kegel exercises, we have babies that go through a pelvic floor muscle. So it seems very obvious in women, but the pelvic floor in men is a very underappreciated area of the body. And wow, is it such an important place. So the pelvic floor muscles in a man surround the rectum. They surround the urethra. They sit right in front of the prostate. They surround the erectile tissue. And they're what rhythmically contract when a man has an orgasm and ejaculate. So, wow, the pelvic floor is, is pretty critical there. So I can introduce some of these guys into getting comfortable in that area because a lot of them are going to a pelvic physical therapist. And and I prompt them. I say, look, when you see a pelvic physical therapist, part of their exam is to recommend doing an internal rectal exam. So you're going to undress and they're going to have their finger in your bottom. They're going to feel all around those pelvic floor muscles. And they might recommend some tools to help you target those tight pelvic floor muscles. So some guys will get these pelvic wands to target those muscles and they'll say, you know, it actually feels kind of good. And so those are things that a lot of guys think, oh, you know, well, I must be gay or that person's gay if they like something in their, you know, anus, which is so far from the truth. And I tell my patients where you experience pleasure has nothing to do with your sexual orientation and where your partner experiences pleasure has nothing to do with their sexual orientation. It is just based on simple anatomy. So let's talk anatomy. And it's really, again, it's really hard to offend anyone when you talk about that. And I think, you know, people would be surprised. The guys who use pelvic wands to stimulate that area are people that most people would say there's no way they would do it. And you know what? They do and they're fine and they love it. And it's a way that they've been able to explore their body. Yeah. I think you make a lot of really important points. And it's true that there are a lot of cisgender heterosexual men who associate any form of anal stimulation with homosexuality, it's like, you know, the anus can be an erotic organ in anyone, regardless of their gender and sexuality. It's just sort of these associations that people wrongly, incorrectly make. And, you know, for example, if you're talking about gay men specifically, you know, there are a lot of them who don't enjoy anal stimulation. You know, I did a whole podcast recently on gay men who identify as sides, right? They're not tops or bottoms and their sexual activities aren't centered around anal stimulation. But there's a heck of a lot of heterosexual guys who are really into butt play of some form. So it's all about, you know, kind of getting past those sexual hangups and exploring your body and figuring out what works for you. What do I want? What does my partner want? We've talked about trying new things in the bedroom, but before you can actually incorporate these things, you got to get buy-in from your partner, obviously, right? They need to know what you're thinking and they got to feel comfortable exploring it too. So do you have any tips you can share on how to start that conversation and just bring up the idea that you'd like to try something new? Absolutely. I think one place to start is by trying these products out by yourself first, to, you know, if you get a vibrator is figuring out where does it feel good when I put this vibrator on this area of my body and where doesn't it feel good? Because unless we understand for ourselves what feels good, we'll never be able to direct our partner, you know, in terms of where they can help us feel good. So the number one, tip number one is to, whenever you try different medications or therapies or products, try them out on yourself first so you understand how best to use them. 
The other thing is make it less about a dysfunction, less about, well, I can't orgasm unless I have a vibrator and more about how you can enhance the experience with these sex toys and tools. Hey, babe, I love being with you. And I love when we have these intimate moments together and I want to make both of us feel really good. And so I got this product. What do you think about trying it tonight? So it's about enhancing rather than focusing on a dysfunction. And, you know, a lot of what we're talking about, things that don't seem very sexy, like touching with our hands or having these conversations about what feels good. I mean, I don't know about you, Justin, but like, I think they're very sexy conversations. They are vulnerable conversations. They are very sexy, even though they look very different from what we would define as actual sex. So I don't know. I think, I think it makes it fun. Even talking about STIs can be a sexy conversation. People can be spontaneous and feel sexy when they feel safe. So it's all about understanding when I'm with this person in this moment in time, how can I feel safe and how can I have my partner feel safe? And what do we need to verbalize to get in that place? I think that's all great advice. And I also especially really like the part about, you know, if you're going to try, for example, a new toy, trying it out on your own first, that also includes reading through all of the instructions and everything, because let's say you get a toy you want to try out with your partner and you just open the box right then and there and you're ready to go, but the toy isn't charged or you haven't figured out how to work it yet, you know, that might create for a more awkward experience. So if you can have that sort of personal experience with it, understand it, that's going to create for a better, more erotic situation with your partner. So read those instructions, try that stuff out on your own and find more ways to incorporate these things into your sex life. Now we're running short on time, but I have another question for you. As a physician and as a sexual health specialist, can you share with us your top tips on maintaining a healthy and satisfying sex life in general? So number one, and we all know this, we all talk about communication, but like really talking about it. You know, when I have a couple in the office with me and the guys coming in to talk about erectile dysfunction, their partner's there with them. The first thing I say is, Thank you so much for being here today. The fact that you're here during this conversation says a lot about your relationship. And I acknowledge that, right? And there are so many times where guys come in with a concern and they've never spoken about it with their partner. But the couples who come in and we start talking, my favorite conversation these days is talking about sex toys and tools. So I bring it up with most of my patients. And when the partner's in the room and we start talking about it, the happiest most satisfied couples that I see are those who are willing to try vibrators or who already have them in their armamentarium. I will say that hands down, the more creative the couples are, I can just tell, and I haven't done research on it, but I hypothesize they are more satisfied in the bedroom than those who have very strict definitions of what it means to engage in sexual activity. Another thing is to take that breath of relief and to understand that nobody can perform 100% of the time. Allow yourself that grace. And that message is to anybody with any type of genital parts, okay? Nobody can perform 100% of the time. And maybe that doesn't always have to be the goal, but maybe going into a sexual encounter, understanding right now, tonight, what is my goal tonight? And that might not be 
you know, ending in an orgasm, but it might be giving my partner a really, you know, satisfactory orgasm. And then the third tip I would say is like, explore your body, explore all of its wonders and explore the body of your partner. If you have one and all of their wonders, there are so many areas of the body that feel so darn good when you touch them. And we don't talk about those areas. And they are like the eighth, ninth and 10th wonders of the world. Those are my three tips. (laughs) Those are all great tips. And, you know, going back to the tip you mentioned about having more variety and trying sex toys linked to more sexual satisfaction. There's a lot of research on this that supports exactly what you're saying. And I'm thinking of a study that was conducted by David Frederick, previous guest on the podcast, where he was looking at the sexual activities that distinguish the most sexually satisfied from the least sexually satisfied couples. And when you start drilling down into those activities, they're almost all forms of outer course, right? So using sex toys is one of them. Another one is being intimate with your partner in the shower, giving your partner a massage or back rub, you know, wearing some sexy lingerie, you know, it's just sort of doing things that aren't focused exclusively around penetration. So I think that really supports this idea that expanding your idea of sex, elevating outer course, and kind of just going with the flow and exploring these different sources of pleasure without an end goal in mind can be really valuable. So a helpful way to think about sex and the way you approach it going forward is that great sex isn't a destination, it's a journey, right? And it's just something where you're exploring the path, you're enjoying the side trips that you're taking, and maybe you just want to stay there instead of go to this other place. So enjoy that sexual journey. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Amy. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? Absolutely. So you can find me on YouTube if you search my name, Amy Perlman. I also have a website, perlmanmds.com. It's been so awesome being with you today. Well, thank you so much for your time, Amy. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.